on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by trichologist Claire Fulham, chatting all things hair loss. I remember then going, I'm losing a bit more hair. Like, I could see hair everywhere. It was all okay. over my desk oh, wow. and work, okay. everywhere. And so I went to my GP. She found five big patches on my scalp, one the size of my fist. So I was like, right, what am I going to do about this? Give me a plan. She just looked me dead in the eye and said, there's nothing you can do. I went on list for dermatologists. She had a cancellation and she very quickly said, yes, you have alopecia areata. As ever available on all podcast platforms. In this week's Big Tech Show, we talk to the Dublin startup that wants to help big companies stop making stupid, embarrassing mistakes with their AI, such as telling people to eat rocks as part of a healthy diet. Basic definition of hallucination is say, stating something very confidently, but in fact, it's factually incorrect. This AI technology is very good at stating something very confident, mimicking human-level confidence, but then they could be factually incorrect. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Just a quick warning before today's podcast. This episode contains material that some listeners may find upsetting. Today, on the Indo-Daily, The Derelict House, The Vagabond Millionaire and The Sinn Féin Money. Upon his death in 2018, reclusive millionaire William Hampton left the vast majority of his estate to Sinn Féin, despite having seemingly no connection to the party. He kept saying I'm a millionaire, but nobody would believe me. He did it to spite this government and that was his total reason. Today, this ramshackle little house is the backdrop for a tense political row, with millions of euro at stake. And as you step inside the house, it's pretty much been reclaimed by nature. There is just damp and moss and weeds all over the place. But who is the mysterious benefactor who owned it? Is it so controversial, or is it, as Sinn Féin claims, just sour grapes from their rivals. But that's a cheap shot, particularly coming from a hypocritical party like yours, a party that receives millions of donations from vagabonds uh, who live in a caravan. I'm Ellen Coyne, and today on the Indo-Daily, I'm joined by Fiona Sheehan, Ireland editor at the Irish Independent, to unravel this mysterious story. Okay, so Fiona, can we start off with the house at the heart of this story? Uh, where is it, first of all? So go to the lovely Hackettstown, a town just over the in north, the northern tip of Carlow. You're literally just in the, the foothills of the, of the Wicklow Mountains. In behind a copse of trees and hedges, there is an old ruined house. The windows are, are gone. The doors are all knocked in. And as you step inside the house, it, 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 it's pretty much been reclaimed by nature. There is just uh, damp and moss and weeds and dirt and detritus all over the place. And yet there is still furniture. There's an armchair uh, in the corner riddled with woodworm and and, and damp. Uh, There's an old chest of drawers in the corner. There's still a jacket hanging on on a wall on a hook covered in cobwebs and, and leaves and dirt. This vacant derelict building is a blight on rural Ireland. We need to get it turned around as quickly as possible and if ideally house somebody in it and um, and remove it from the, the blight that it is. There's reckon there's about 160,000 houses around the country that are vacant and that goes from houses that, that are just unoccupied for the last couple of years to old farmhouses to houses like this that have just been uh, abandoned and, and nature will, will fill that, that vacuum quite literally. So yeah, there's a house there there's the four stone walls, so that's about it. 
So obviously sounds like a property that hasn't benefited from much attention or attracted much attention for a long time. It sounds like someplace that people were just ignoring and passing by. So how did it come to be so significant now? A local councillor in the area was looking into houses that were unoccupied and could be taken over by the, the, the councillor or put back into the housing supply. And locally it was known as Des Neal's Cottage and that was after a man who, who lived there years ago. It was an old labourer's cottage paid for via a loan from the, the county council. It was then believed that it was owned by a local widow and he contacted their family and no, they knew nothing about it and the last documents were taught to be about 20 years ago two bachelor brothers uh, living there but as uh, this councillor Brian O'Donoghue of Fine Gael and the local council officials did a search uh, on the land registry a name popped up Bill Hampton Bill Hampton purchased this house back in 2012 but nobody knew who Bill Hampton was. And then the councillor basically started putting two and two together and going, Bill Hampton, is that William Hampton whose name has become quite prominent in recent years? Because he has now left in his will uh, an estate worth €4 million Euros to Sinn Féin. People will have spotted his name uh, popping up in the newspaper for that reason and even will have heard him described, I think, as a vagabond millionaire in the doll. Tell us a little bit about William Hampton and what we know about him. A lovely man, well-educated, nice to be around, but things went downhill after his father died. His father was very rich. We don't know how rich, but we know he had a lot of money. What we know is that that he passed away five years ago. He was a mechanic by trade. He lived ostensibly in England, but he he travelled around quite a lot, including to Ireland, Uh, spent a bit of time up in in Cavan. It's thought that at one point he might have stayed somewhere near this house in in Hackettstown, a few miles down down the road uh, for for a short period, and maybe that's how he happened upon... uh, this house. So he was familiar with Ireland, but he also travelled around uh, Asia. Um, Very wealthy on foot of an inheritance from his father who died back in the the 1980s. So he was left uh, this fortune basically scattered around the world. His father was originally involved uh, in in farming and, and moved on to there to be involved in property and investments. So William Hampton had this money. He was in touch with, with some people in, in the area where he was from who said, you know, he was quite a, a kind uh, person, but did have mental health uh, issues to be believed to have been fairly disturbing episodes uh, from his past as well. You mentioned there that he had had some mental health problems and you also referenced some kind of distressing episodes in his past. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It's been reported that he was suffering from schizoaffective disorder at the time uh, of, of his death. His death certificate does actually say that he had a condition that can cause delusions, hallucinations and depression. It said he died of respiratory failures and end-stage chronic pulmonary disease. And it says he was frail and had uh, the schizoaffective disorder. So very specific uh, on his death cert. It's also been reported that on foot of being accused of having an affair with a married woman, that he mutilated himself. There was always a sadness about Billy, but I, you know, you don't question it. 
We just took him as he was and that was it. Well, Billy, I mean, he, he, was, he was a good friend of ours, a nice bloke, but unfortunately he just used to turn up. We, we had no way of contacting him, uh, mainly because he was on the road a lot of the time and he went to different countries. He kept saying, I'm a millionaire, but nobody would believe me. He did it to spite this government. And that was his total reason. Basically, at some point, he made out a will around about 1997. And within that will, he, he basically, as people do, he left some small sums of money to different people. But the bulk of the estate is what came as a bit of a surprise in recent years because he says... All the rest, residue and remainder of my of the estate, so ever nature and whatsoever situate to include my assets in Ireland, England, Singapore, New Zealand, and any other assets I may have anywhere else in the world. I give, devise, and bequeath to my executors and trustees, Joe Cahill and Desi Mackin, in trust for the political party in the Republic of Ireland, known at this time as Sinn Féin. And he goes on to detail how... This money should go to Sinn Féin. He specifies that in case this party no longer exists, that the party he's talking about is Sinn Féin. In Ireland, the party of, of Gerry Adams. The executors who he leaves the will to and, and to make sure that his wishes are carried out were Joe Cahill, who is now deceased. He was the former chief of staff of the provisional IRA. And Des, Desi Mackin. Des Mackin is, to this day, the director of finance of Sinn Féin. So their annual accounts that come out and have to be submitted to authorities here, Des Mackin's name uh, is at the foot of that. So has and remains a very senior figure within the Republican movement uh, and, and Sinn Féin. He says, this money is to be applied by my executors and trustees to cover election expenses, to fund Sinn Féin offices and advice centres, and to aid Republican prisoners and their families in both Ireland and Britain. Very detailed in the will. He doesn't just say, I leave my money to Sinn Féin. Yeah, that could have caused a row because different people classify themselves as Sinn Féin. He's very specific what it's to go towards and he's also very specific uh, on who the trustees are. Notably, he also mentions it's the party in the Republic of Ireland uh, that he is leaving the money to. And why would he leave all this money to, to Sinn Féin? Like, do we know anything about why he, why he wanted to, to support Sinn Féin? Why do you think he left one and a half million pounds to Sinn Féin to basically say up you to the British establishment because nobody over here had really helped him. There is no uh, suggestion in, in his lineage that, that he had any great uh, family connections uh, to Ireland. There are no suggestions as well that he was in, in any way greatly interested in the Republican causes. Uh, the cause of United Ireland uh, or anything like that. A, a suggestion that has been posited by a, a friend of his was that this was a means for him to, to take revenge from the grave, that he would be funding a, an organisation that he regarded as the antithesis of the, the British establishment. That seems to be the only uh, recognisable uh, reason for him to, to go about doing this. But nobody knows, like, where did he come up with the detail about maybe he got legal assistance, did he get assistance from somebody in the Republican movement about that level of detail, about who to put down in the will, how to, to specify that 
because there were so many splits in Sinn Féin over the years that this is the party that, that you wanted uh, to go to. That's all the great mystery of, of William Hampton. When you talk about this theory that basically putting Sinn Féin in the will was like an anti-establishment gesture, I suppose it's probably, um, it's relevant to think of the point in time at which the will was written. Um, and, you know, what would have been going on then politically that would have made him see Sinn Féin as a way to give two fingers to the British Empire? Or back in 1997, the, the tail end of the, the troubles and, and the armed uh, campaign of terrorism undertaken by the provisional uh, IRA, talks ongoing at that time about a, a, a peaceful resolution. Uh, you you had the end, uh, I suppose, of, of uh, the long-term Tory leadership uh, in the UK from Thatcherism into, into John Major, which was the remnants of that, and Blairism was coming along at that time we were a year out from the Good Friday uh, Agreement so he obviously saw that in Sinn Féin and in the the Republican movement uh, he saw sort of the antithesis of what he regarded as the British establishment who he felt had had not uh, treated him uh, very well I mean Mary Lou MacDonald has, has kind of summed it up herself where she says she didn't know Bill Hampton, but judging from people who did know him, he considered this to be a very robust statement against the political uh, establishment. You know, there's no essay attached to his will about a a broad commitment to United Ireland or this has been a passion for him through his life uh, or anything like that. Given the timing at which he, he filled out his will, there isn't a suggestion that he was in in favour of the the IRA's terrorism campaign, but that he was um, in some way interested uh, in the broad political movement of republicanism. And despite the precision in the will, you know, wanting this money to go to Sinn Féin in the Republic, they actually can't spend it in the South. They think that, you know, in reaching for this issue, that they can can do some damage to us. But no, the man left us the money. He left it because he believes in Irish unity. We're very thankful and very grateful to him. And every rule and every law has been fully Mm -hmm. respected. The difficulty that that Sinn Féin then had uh, was that in the Republic of Ireland's law, we have got far tighter regulations on donations in in this on this side of the border than they do in Northern Ireland and the UK. So uh, it would mean that this would have been classified as a as a foreign donation because he was not a citizen uh, of of Ireland uh, and the assets uh, come from largely come from abroad. So it it meant that they, they effectively couldn't take the money in the Republic of Ireland what they could in Northern Ireland, where the donations laws are far more lax. So there has been some controversy about the fact that, well, listen, that's the will says the Republic of Ireland and you're bringing the money into Northern Ireland. Sinn Féin's answer has been, well, we are an all-Ireland party. So to go back to this conspicuous little house in Carlow, that house belongs to Sinn Féin now, is that right? The house belongs to the estate of William Hampton. It's a bit like uh, a, a probate issue where somebody is deceased and who owns the house? Well, ultimately, the, the estate then owns it and the executors carry out the, the wishes uh, of the deceased uh, person. And in this case, it's to dispose of the assets. Because the executor of the will is also the director of finance uh, of Sinn Féin, one and the same person, the party is the beneficiary. They do have a lot of interest uh, in, in this uh, issue. 
So the executors uh, of the the will, which is Des Mackin, who is the director of finance of, of Sinn Féin, uh, have approached uh, Carlow County Council with a view to selling them the house. So not gifting the house, not handing it over, selling uh, the house. And Carlow County Council have confirmed that, yeah, this house is indeed under vacant houses list for, for the county, uh, which every county council is, is obliged to, to draw up. That has implications for property tax and for uh, the, the vacant homes tax uh, and, and, and so on. Uh, but that this house is not of interest to them, that they don't intend to, to purchase it. it. It doesn't match their criteria in terms of, of what they actually uh, require. So it, it, had they bought that house, as was intended by the executor's will, by the executor's uh, desire to sell it to the county council, it would have meant that the taxpayer in the Republic of Ireland would have ended up buying a house left to Sinn Féin and giving money to Sinn Féin in Northern Ireland. So taxpayer in the Republic of Ireland would be funding Sinn Féin in Northern Ireland. So, But it would have been a rather bizarre uh, situation indeed. Properties shouldn't be left derelict. Like we, we have a housing crisis, so I think the objective is um, for that house to be taken in hand and ideally for somebody to live in it. When you look at the over and back of that row um, and people, to, you know, kind of bringing the housing crisis into this and obviously politics as well, because it is a political issue uh, after the money was donated to Sinn Fein, do you think that is just kind of like a political game? Like having seen the house, would it not require a lot of work? before it actually was beneficial to to anyone. Yeah, re- regardless of who the owners are, you can see why Carlow County Council would say not really interested. Yeah. Um, a lot of work, a lot of hassle. I mean, it would need a full Dermot Bannon style makeover to turn it into a, a, a habitable house. So it's up to the executor now to dispose uh, of this asset or, or else Sinn Féin take it on themselves and say we are interested in having this house and we're interested in renovating it in Bill Lampton's memory and ensuring that we make some small contribution to the housing crisis. You believe as leader of Sinn Féin that in, if you do get to the highest mm-hmm. office in, in, in the land politically as Taoiseach that five years, 100,000 homes, that's your pledge? Yes. And you believe it's deliverable? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. I believe we're Irish, Ryan. We build things. Do you know, I, I have been, when, when you go away and, I, I, and, and you talk to people in, in America or Australia and Irish people looking at home and they say, what's going on with, with housing? And we're not unique in having a housing challenge, but we, we seem to be uniquely incapable of getting to grips with it. And what people say is, the Irish have built everywhere. We're not splitting the atom here. It's not open heart surgery. We need to construct homes. And given how mysterious Bill Hampton is, is there any chance that this could happen again, that there might be something else in his estate that we don't yet know about that could pop up like this one did? In their statement, uh, Sinn Féin said they have no intention of of taking on any properties, plural, that are in Bill Hampton's uh, estate. Now, as the the will outlines, he owned assets in Asia, Australasia, uh, Europe, Great Britain. So we don't know what else uh, is out there. What we do know is that thus far, from 
political donations returns that Sinn Féin have made in Northern Ireland, they've now brought in, uh, I think it's about 3.3 million sterling, which translates to 3.9 million uh, euros. So that's the best part of, of 4 million euros have come in from this estate. When he died, it was thought 1.5, something like that. It's now more than doubled uh, that amount. And the the, the clearly... From the evidence uh, here in Carlow, there are still assets being disposed of five years later. They've gotten a huge amount of money from Bill Hampton. But do you think, is something is a donation like that a blessing or a curse? I don't think they'd say no to four million euros, <laughs> no, uh, to, to be honest with you. I mean, it, it'll fund an awful lot of uh, constituency offices, uh, staff, uh, Republican prisoners or, or, or families or, or whatever else it was that, that he was looking for uh, in the will. So, you know, sometimes it is more hassle than it's worth. Sinn Féin are obviously making the, the distinction here that they're, they're carrying out the, the wishes of, of Mr. Hampton and they're going to keep the money. The, the concern that parties have south of the border is Sinn Féin may be an All-Ireland party and they may be two separate entities, north and south, but that there is crossover between their, their operation and therefore the concern that's been expressed is, yeah, the money is going to Sinn Féin in the north, but that also helps them as an entity uh, in the Republic of Ireland. Finally, uh, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael have kind of used this as a as a point to, to kind of criticise Sinn Féin. But in all honesty, if this sort of donation was made to them, they'd be fairly happy with it as well. Well, that's a cheap shot, particularly coming from a hypocritical party like yours, a party that receives millions of donations from vagabonds uh, who live in a caravan, a party that please, is please. one of the biggest landlords in the state. That I want to do without interruption, please. Uh, the and, point to make here about Sinn Féin uh, is that they are acting within the law in the jurisdiction within which the, the money uh, is being is being directed. Uh, so they are declaring these these donations. Uh, on a on an annual or quarterly basis, as as they are required to do, so the the law on this side of the border wouldn't wouldn't allow something like this uh, really to happen. And there, if if a, a party tried something like this, I'm sure there would be complaints to the Standards and Public Office Commission. Well, that's, that's the most useless watchdog uh, that you've ever come across uh, in, in your life. But there would be substantially more uh, controversy uh, as, a, as a result of it. So yeah, I mean, Sinn Féin are looking at this going, this man died, he shared our values, he wanted to give us money, and that's all that's happening here. As Michelle O'Neill has put it, there's no story here. <laughs> well, I think it's a, a really interesting story. And thank you very much, Fiona, for talking us through it. My thanks to Fiona Sheehan. I'm Ellen Coyne, and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by Dee Reddy and Mary Carroll, researched by Dave Hanretty, with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from Oroctus TV, RTE, BBC News Northern Ireland, Queen's University Belfast and independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, 
solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts.